It doesn't matter if you love crafts, blackjack, machines, or dining on the finest Asian, American, and Salish cuisines. It doesn't matter what you do or where you're coming from. Muckleshoot. What you do is all at Muckleshoot. An easy drive from wherever you are. All roads lead to Muckleshoot. And it's Whiskey Harbor who's homeward bound. Has a lead by about three and a half, four lengths. Urban Dancers up in the second. Moki up the inside third. And then it's Freightline in fourth, 16th to go. It's all Whiskey Harbor. Whiskey Harbor took the lead out of the starting gate. It went all the way on the front end in the King County Express Stakes. Horse Racing Northwest from Emerald Downs. Thanks for joining us. We missed a week, but we are back. And we are just a little more than a week away from the 88th Long Acres Mile here at Emerald Downs. Joe Withy, Vince Brune, and Bill Downs. And fellas, we just heard Whiskey Harbor, that son of Rise Up, the new stallion in Oregon. Whiskey Harbor's made his name. He's already a stakes winner at Emerald Downs, two for two. And sure he, I'm sure he's morning line favorite coming up. He sure is in uh, Sunday's WTBOA Lad Stakes, but it is two-year-olds going six and a half furlongs a little more of a test for them and Freightline, a horse you're part owner of joe comes off runner-up finish to whiskey harbor and then came back and won a uh, uh, maiden special weight and if you believe in buyers he's his buyer is actually higher than whiskey's harbor stakes win 53 but yeah whiskey harbor made no mistakes has a lot of speed and looked like he could have kept going the last time deserved favorite and then we've got the uh WTVOA Lassie Stakes for two-year-old fillies and appeal. Did you almost say the Barber Shinpo? I almost did. <laughs> we switched it back this year. It began in '82 as the lads and the Lassies, and but appeal factor. Just me and Bill rewatching that replay. She took a real big bump shortly out of the gate, knocked sideways, and still won that race pretty easily. That's right. And uh, she looks like a real uh, prospect there. Of course, she's out of uh, Karula. And uh, by the factor, those horses excel everywhere and at Emerald Downs, too. And uh, she'll be pretty pretty tough to beat, I think, in that last few stakes. Yeah, if you're handicapping that race, go watch the head-on of, of the NGC. It's about eight strides after the break. Appeal Factor got brushed at the break, but eight strides after the break just knocked sideways, if you will. Could have very easily just lost her air, lost her action, but she overcame it in her debut to defeat... Uh, a stakes field in the NGC, and uh, I, I don't see how Appeal Factor uh, loses in a spot uh, looking at the PPs and going six and a half furlongs. So it's uh, you get a little bit more time up the back stretch to maneuver, and Appeal Factor will be a, uh, I think, a deserving favorite in, in the Lassies. Yeah, she was super impressive, daughter of the Factor and Karula. Uh, we do have five horses that have. Broke their maidens. That's pretty good at this time of the year at Emerald Downs that are in that WTBOA Lassies. We got a ton to talk about today on Horse Racing Northwest. Again, we're just a little more than a week away from the 88th Long Acres Mile. Some mile talk. We might talk about the mile with one of our guests, Gary Bays, the state's all-time leading jockey, Long Acres all-time leading jockey. 
and the most wins in Long Acres Mile history. Five, Gary's coming back on Sunday for Turn Back the Clock Day at Emerald Downs. It'll be great to have Gary Bays around. He's going to join us on today's podcast, as is Dean Mazuka, who called the Corgi Races for our show that is on tomorrow night on ESPN2. Yeah, Emerald Downs has a half-hour show on ESPN2 tomorrow night at 9 p.m. It's the Corgi Special for 2023, and uh, we'll give Dean his full introduction, Vince, but you know, he does a lot of stuff. He's a track announcer in Oregon. He's a horse owner. He uh, hosts uh, Breakfast at the Wire. He hosts Breakfast at the Wire, which is coming up Sunday. And him and his pals have a good thing going up there in the North Park with their little cigar area there. They have a great time. And you know, in the Lassie Stakes, uh, he's part owner of Mocktails Anyone, who's a strong second choice in that race, is coming off a good second. So that horse hasn't done much wrong and has got a good trainer. Yeah. Uh, in Frank Lucarelli calling the shots there. So, uh, yeah, he's uh, he's got a chance in a stakes race this weekend, too. Okay, so Gary Bay's Dean Mazuka joining us. Bill Downs is going to be on Q13 Sports Sunday night. He's going to preview the Long Acres Mile for all of Seattle. That's a pretty good show, Bill. You've been around a couple of years now. Aaron Levine's been sports director at Q13 for quite a few years. Uh, they really treat us well here at Emerald Downs. I think Alyssa Charleston is going to be uh your host on uh, sunday night beautiful can't yep. wait yep. break it down sluice tiz whiz zestful dirt road red among others we'll see uh who shows up in the nominations list that uh, closes on sunday correct that's right uh vince uh yeah nominations close for the mile they used to close in two weeks they did uh, now we close a week out yeah so for years and years it was two weeks for noms and then the weights were released the following sunday which was a week out yeah and then we'll have the draw breakfast uh wednesday yep the draw uh, breakfast coming up on wednesday at emerald downs for the 88th mile no weights uh needed anymore because it's an allowance stake now so the conditions weights are depended on money earned and uh sluice tis whiz can get in if he wants he's defending champ and coming off a huge win in the governors so uh yeah the rest of the nominees we know five star generals coming in from the midwest he's looking for his fourth straight mile start he's been in the money all three previous he's a good horse Really good horse, and he's probably better than he's ever been in his life right now, making this uh, kind of a little North American tour with uh, Grant Forster for Ken L. Haddiff. And, yeah, he adds some intrigue to the race. saw Dan Markle claimed a horse for an owner named Craig Perrenboom at Sacramento last yeah. week. The horse excels at a mile, and they got a 91 buyer wow. winning a mile race on dirt. I think they paid 40 for it and could be an immediate factor, too. Yeah, five-star general. When we last saw him, he was more of a closer. Now he's he's yeah. a he's yeah. a speed horse, and, yeah. he, and he's been running his best races, I think, in his career. A couple of them, uh, the the race down at uh, Evangeline that he won, a uh, uh, minor stakes, and then the race that he even though he didn't win at at Indiana, um, the Schaefer. Yeah, the Schaefer. Uh, he set the tempo and, uh, and you know, finished a really good second against a really strong field in, in that race on I the think Indiana I, Derby undercard. I think the race after the mile last year, that race complicate one at a mile and 70 yards was kind of when the style began to change. He was an unlucky loser that day. He ran great on the front end and it was, he had run fine, you know, coming off the pace, but he's, he's a real tiger since he's, uh, been on the front end. 
He has indeed. He's owned by Ken L. Haddath, who purchased him out of the Glen Todd dispersal in early 2022. Grant Forrester has him. And Bill, I know you know the name Grant Forrester. Uh, he is he did really well around here in limited seasons. The son of Dave Forrester, a Hall of Fame BC trainer. And Grant had one uh, memorable weekend in 2005, winning the mile for Herman Sarkowski at 60 to 1. And I think he won the Oaks the day before with uh, um, Class Included's mother, um, E. Her mother, her mother won the race. <laughs> and so anyway, it'll be good to see Grant back. A Classic Life was her name. A Classic Life by Sky Classic. Okay, so we have uh, those two fellas to talk about and talk with, Gary Bays and Dean Mazuka. Our Friday schedule is first race 7 p.m., Saturday at 5 p.m., Sunday at 2 p.m. Stakes doubleheader Sunday. Hey, wear your 70s garb on Sunday, but you know, all weekend long, we're going to be talking Long Acres 1970s stuff. We have lots of interviews, pictures, videos coming on the big screen and live interviews from the paddock. Uh, so many horse people stay in the game, which is great. And they have memories. And Vince, even you, you go back to the 70s for your starts in, in thoroughbred racing. Oh, yeah. I was regular back then. Saw a lot of great races for sure. Yeah. And so we will recap that. That'll be fun. And if you want to wear some 70s garb, uh, you know, I might even be doing that on Sunday too. So, uh, you know, that might get a, a laugh or two. Breakfast at the Wires coming up Sunday, 8 to 10 a.m., Dean Mazuka is going to host it, and we've had a couple good shows. This will be the third and final show of the season. Yeah, there is a free breakfast. And last, uh, the first one we had breakfast burritos. Second one we had uh, some uh, breakfast sandwiches. Bill was here last weekend. Yeah, but I didn't get a breakfast sandwich, you so I want late. I want that renegotiated in my contract well, next year that I get I a breakfast sandwich. I think the fact that <laughs> Joe Laduca was there that might have precluded you from getting yours yeah that's a joke one joke. per person yeah. so uh breakfast at the wire really some fine guests so far and we'll do it again this sunday 8 to 10 a.m it's right off the winter circle on track level um so weekly honors from uh this past week vince brune okay yeah jockey of the week alex anaya He's really made a nice recovery after starting the season 0 for 35. He's had seven wins in his last 37 starts, Excellent. three wins last week. Trainer Joe Toy, four wins last week. Led all trainers, uh, double uh, single wins on Friday and Saturday, a double on Sunday. Owners are some Joe Toy clients, Bill Jensen and Gary Olson. They went two for two. The Washington Bread of the Week, Miss Dynamic, back on the beam with a nice gate-to-wire mm -hmm. score in the Saturday feature. And the quarter shoot cafe groom Lucho Mendez Rivas working for Marshall Allen, of course, with Daffodil Sweet winning on Sunday. Honorable mentions last week. These following all got their first wins of the meet. Ed Kerluck, Don Roberson, Marshall Allen, and Rosie Simpkins with a nice win. Horse called Mr. Fireball for owner breeder John Coonan. Yeah, that was quite the win. Mr. Fireball is out of Sheen Falls, who won off a layoff here a couple of times for owner John Coonan. Uh, we're going to have a special wagering format on Sunday in uh, remembrance of Long Acres in the 1970s. We're going to have exacta, trifecta, and daily double wagering only. 
We're not going to have superfectas or pentafectas or pick threes, pick fours, or pick fives. Uh, we're trying to get there back to the 1970s a little bit and take it further. You'll see some different type of uh, run numbers on the screen to pay tribute to the 70s as well. So we're going to do that on Sunday at Emerald Downs. Turn back the clock day. First race at 2 p.m. A lot more interviews and so forth, as we said. Okay, uh, news and notes are up at emeralddowns.com, which is all the info you could want for a race meeting. It's uh, excellent work, Vince, and uh, every handicapper should refer to it. So uh, the national scene, fellas, are you guys following uh, Del Mar and or Saratoga, Bill? Yes and no. Um, I've been just uh, concentrating more on Emerald, believe it or not. Um, I, I, I watch proceedings. I mean, the Del Mar meet has been, I think, in terms of the, the stakes competition, has been top notch. And I probably watch that a little bit more than I do Saratoga. You know, part of it is, you know, if I was in Pittsburgh for the uh, summer, I'd be on the East Coast time. It's a lot easier to follow Saratoga. <laughs> Uh, when you're on East Coast time than West Coast time. And the same thing could be said if I was on the East Coast, Del Mar runs you know, late into the night, if you will. Um, so it's just a matter of uh, um, you know where, where I'm at. And I'm out here for the summer, so I probably watch a little bit more Del Mar than I do Saratoga, okay. uh, though I am uh, interested in seeing what happens. It's, I know it's Whitney weekend at, uh, at the spa. Yeah, just some general comments. I, I you know, I know Vince and I have been working on Hall of Fame stuff and uh, plenty other things here coming up the mile. And so we have been busy there. But I've noticed Saratoga with a lot of scratches. Of course, they get their uh, volatile weather periods as well, which causes race to be off the turf. But uh, am I wrong? But Del Mar's field size is fantastic so far in their yeah, first couple weeks. Yeah, it's been no contest. Del Mar has been superior to Saratoga this year. In just about every regard, I'm not saying it's better over the long haul, but certainly this year it's in terms of uh, bettability. Uh, Delmar has been really tough and good and interesting and entertaining, whereas Saratoga suffered from short fields and their stakes races have really been short and light on numbers. Yeah. Part of that, of course, when they get rained off the turf, as you mentioned, the field sh sizes shrink dramatically there. Um, but Delmar, they've got a pretty good thing going seen a couple of uh, four horse field and graded stakes at saratoga uh any comments from last week bill on the racing i yeah well i sure. mean you mentioned mr fireball that oh really kind of shocked the heck out of me off the long layoff from february 2022 to, to july uh, late july of 2023 was the layoff and mr fireball took the lead out of the gate and and basically led every step of the way got a 70 buyer after looking at the, the news and notes from vince's uh posting of all the buyer speed figures and 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 what's really impressive is the fact that mr fireball uh trainer rosie simpkins usually doesn't win off hmm. of long layoffs and the fact that uh, that this this guy did that and posted a, a big number i'm expecting you got to put the horse in some sort of i i don't even i don't even know the conditions of, of the horse but i would be, expect a big class rise is what i'm expecting from um, uh, Simpkins next time out with Mr. Fireball. Um, other horses at last weekend, Dirt Road Red got uh, a 70 buyer speed figure and got claimed out of the race by uh, John Parker. 
And uh, John's going to, you know, look like put Dirt Road Red in, into the mile. That's right. And uh, we'll see how uh, how he does uh, stretching out around two turns. And then Poverty Bay just got a 65 buyer, but I liked how he did it. He, he was a hard luck loser a couple of times before uh, the win on July the 30th, but uh, just ran down company's dream uh, rather easily in the middle stages and went on to win by almost two lengths as the favorite. He got hammered late in the wagering, so I think uh, – uh, some of the computer players uh, liked Poverty Bay as well, but uh, I liked how he won, and I could I, I could uh, potentially play him back next time out, depending on the competition. Yeah. Okay. And Daffodil Sweet, who uh, in Bill's first year last year, I think she only ran in that one stake last year, but she jumped her record up to seven for twelve at Emerald Downs, Vince, with uh, a surprising win. We we've seen her pressing the pace and showing very strong. St- tactical speed but uh, she was last there going into the three eighths pole yep I didn't or think, in the stretch she was last i didn't think she had a chance um but the speed did back up and she got competitive again and ran big the race came back really slow hmm. um for the level um but nevertheless it's huge to see an old class horse back on the beam like that and uh imagine they can start thinking big again with her and i did talk and uh, as we skip around a little bit long acres mile notes uh Blaine Wright is certainly looking at the mile for top executive who had that nice win on the 23rd, Sunday, the 23rd, fourth and last year's mile. Favorite last year. And Okay. And he's uh, six for 11 at this track. So uh, certainly a very worthy foe to all of his you competition. Know, you know, if you look at top executive and Slews to his whiz, their career records are almost exactly the same mm. right down the line. I think they're both seven for 17. The earnings are almost exactly the same. Mm. The difference is Slews to his whiz has gotten better with age, whereas his top executive was really strong in his early career. And now, maybe with that confidence-building win, could be uh, coming back around. That's right. They're both five-year-olds, aren't they? Okay. Uh, and we do have some, you know, not-so-great news in the industry as well with Turf Paradise. It's pretty well confirmed by anybody that knows that uh, they are not going to be racing after the first of the year. Um, well, speaking of that, they usually start in, uh, what, late September, early October. So not good news there, fellas, with uh, Golden Gates demise uh, announced a couple weeks ago, Turf Paradise now. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of horsemen and horses seeking um, other opportunities. So I don't, yeah, it's, it's tough to comment on it. I know it's just well, news. It's just, it's bad news. Every yeah. time a race yeah, track closes, it's bad news. Then it becomes, you know, the, the you know, it's supposed to be sold, but then the, the new, new purse, I, I don't even know the name, but it was supposed to be that, oh, we'll, we'll continue to race. But now as we get closer to the end of the year where the sale is going to go through and it's kind of like, well, no one's really kind of stepping up here. And so I don't know what's going to happen. And then, you know, there's that other track, Arizona Downs, up in the northern part of the state. I guess they could uh, potentially fill that void. I don't know. But it's still too early. And uh, we'll see how it all plays out. You know, they've had a lot of uh, uh, fighting in the state uh, over simulcast revenue. It's a a strange state in terms of peculiar state, not a strange, peculiar state in how they handle uh, the simulcasting. You got to go to... You know, I, I've gone uh, to Turf Paradise plenty over the years, um, and I know like the OTBs are like in the middle of a lot of them are in the middle of bars, and you I've know, been to a few. Yeah, and there's like one teller, and you know they got racing on, but they have a limited menu of uh, 
of the number of races that they can show. It's uh, uh, a lot of interesting, uh, uh, somewhat, sometimes it's puzzling rules that they've got there, but, uh, you know, we'll see how it all plays out and whether or not uh, it is the end end for turf paradise and, or what Arizona downs and their ownership and who, you know, that, that track was rumored to be on the, on the block as well. I thought, uh, I know someone's bought it in the last, uh, couple of years. So a lot of, a lot of uncertainty, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, it seems like other states don't have too much trouble splitting up the revenue when it comes to simulcasting, racing live as opposed to another track in the state, not racing live at that time. And then, you know, they use each other's uh, uh, wagering uh, opportunities and buildings and uh, signals. But uh, boy, they have a lot of trouble in Arizona doing that. So For right now, not good news for the future of Turf Paradise. Hey, let's take a break. We'll come back with Gary Bay's original class, inaugural class of the Washington Thoroughbred Hall of Fame. He's going to be at Emerald Down Sunday. We'll be right back on Horse Racing Northwest. It doesn't matter if you love craps, blackjack, machines, or dining on the finest Asian, American, and Salish cuisines. It doesn't matter what you do or where you're coming from. Muckleshoot. What you do is all at Muckleshoot. An easy drive from wherever you are. All roads lead to Muckleshoot. Muckleshoot. Now, down the lane they come with Dear Rick on the lead. M-double-M is in second. There's a gap of three, and here he comes. It's Chum Salmon moving on the outside. Dear Rick has the lead. Chum Salmon is going to catch him on the outside. There's Chum Salmon taking the lead. He's Chum Salmon. The 1985 Long Acres Mile. What a day for a Washington bred by the name of Chum Salmon from 20 lengths behind to win the 85 mile for the Chum Salmon Ownership Group, trainers Larry and Sharon Ross. Gary Bays was aboard for his third mile victory, and one Gary Bays joins us today on Horse Racing Northwest. Gary, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Joe. Hey, great to have you. Uh, I'm sure you don't really get too tired talking about some great events like Chum Salmon and things like that. Nope, that never happened. <laughs> well, uh, Gary, you know, the superlatives are out there. Uh, one thing that really stands out to me in our inaugural class of the Washington Thoroughbred Hall of Fame back in 03, you went in, which was a, a great honor to be in the first class. But also the three horses that went in, you rode all of them. And uh, you really had a had some nice analogies on their styles that evening. Trooper 7, Chinook Pass, Captain Condo all went into the Hall of Fame. And, boy, those fellas there uh, put some money in your pocket and some thrills for Northwest race fans, Gary. Yes, they did. Those names bring back some memories, that's for sure. And, Gary, you helped us out with a, a long Trooper 7 video. That horse has to stand right up there among Washington bred greats, the first two-time, our back-to-back winner of the Long Acres Mile. And, and uh, just refresh our memory a little bit on Trooper 7. Yeah, it was Trooper 7. I, first time I met his trainer, Gene Zarin, 1979. Um, and he said he had this horse for me to get on. And I went and got on him, and I knew he was something special right from the start. His three-year-old year, he, he got started out. He won a couple stakes. But then the next year, he became a four-year-old. 
and his uh, 80 and 81, those were his years at Lawnickers, and he he never made any mistakes. He was he was almost perfect. Easy to ride. Once the holes open, he was gone. I mean, he'd get through them so fast that he never got in trouble. He was an amazing horse to ride. Yeah, and the key points of the race, you and Trooper 7 made it look so easy. I mean, you just said he was an easy horse to ride, but uh, you had to, to make a decision or two. But, boy, he'd just be there at the top of the stretch, the 316th pole, and uh, uh, you always had horse left with him, too. Yes, he did. I mean, it wasn't me. Believe me, I was just a passenger. <laughs> he was. He he was. He just would almost was so automatic. It was just unbelievable to to be able to ride him. And he didn't win the Derby the year before, but he was in 1979. We're going to show that race this weekend. You'll get a chance to see that. You ran second to Headhawk, and it was so muddy that day. Vince, I think you were there. Did you say? Yeah, and yeah. we got the photo and, and I gave you. Yeah. Headhawk would have been 50 to 1 if he wasn't in the mutual field, but he loved the mud, and Trooper was like second by about five, and those two dominated. But yeah, that was, uh, as Gary said, though, Trooper got even better uh, the next year. Yeah, and I think you did mention Trooper maybe didn't love the mud, Gary. That particular mud on that day, was it was a heavier type of mud, mm-hmm. and he struggled with it. He did. He was a a low running horse, low to the ground, and, and, and he would pick his feet up quick and put them down quick, but he struggled on that track. And, and I, I might have moved him just a little bit soon that day, and we got the lead easy, and then I seen this horse coming on the outside. <laughs> I didn't know who it was, but that horse was just going so fast. Mike James rode him. Yep. It was head hawk, and, and uh, he deserved to win that day. He was the better horse on that track that day. Well, Trooper 7 uh, just uh, made so many fans. I mean, it was he was such a special horse. And then a few, another decade later, it was Captain Kondo, who at age nine had a just a more than tremendous season. Uh, Louis Seifer came up to win the mile. And, of course, he was a grade one, grade two type horse. And you, you were easily second on Captain Kondo. Uh, tell us a couple things about Captain Kondo. Captain Condo might have had the most natural ability of hmm. any horse I rode, and he was huge. He was like 17 hands high, and he was gray, hmm. and he was easy to see and spot during a race, but he didn't really want to win a race. He was like trying to ride a bad brother-in-law. I mean, he, he would get close to the lead, and he'd rather go and try to bite the horse beside him than get by that horse. So you had to keep changing things. You had to move your hands. You had to bounce around on his back. You had to make him think things differently than what he wanted to think to make him win and uh when he did that was one tremendous season in uh 1991 at long acres as a nine-year-old and he had a huge legion of fans as well and then chinook pass he rode him as a three-year-old to a couple of stakes wins against older horses that just didn't happen back in long acres times uh three-year-olds ran against three-year-olds and there were so many horses in each division uh but he was a super fast horse, and uh, you didn't get a chance to ride him in the mile. But uh, tell us about Chinook. No, he was he was he was just one of the most purest speed horses and best and most ability I ever did ride that could carry it. Also, um, I rode him twice at Portland that year. I think I'm not sure what year was it. He won the mile. Said was that '79? '83. He won the mile. '83. Oh, okay, yeah. I rode him twice that spring at Portland. He win both those races. He was on coming back, and then at Lawnkers, we win. Uh, rode him twice. He went two stakes there. 
and I made the mistake of taking off of him. Uh, well, actually, that wasn't a year. He's coming back from California to win the mile, but the first time when he ran second in the mile, I made the mistake of taking off of him to ride a, an old horse for that race. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, that was 82-mile. Uh, Chinook Pass almost won it as a three-year-old. So Gary Bays, uh, he also rode Red Eye Express and Bella Rainier. Uh, uh, so many Northwest owners and trainers entrusted you to the top horse at the track every year because you came through 100 stakes wins at Long Acres by far and away the most. Uh, Vince has a comment here. Well, I was just wondering, it would be great to see you and uh, Vicky. of yeah. course. Uh, Vicky was a great rider in her own right, your wife. And uh, what have, uh, Gary, you and Vicky down in Arizona, what are you up to these days? Well, right now I'm retired, but it still seems like I find things to do every single day. Uh, Vicky's working for the state of Arizona. Um, and the gaming division, still they're trying to figure out what how racing is going to go down there. So she's keeping her hand in it. She works in the test barn um, when when races are going on, and she loves that job. And she likes being around the horses and the horsemen, and so that's kind of what we're doing right now. Yeah, you worked as a steward down there a little bit in recent years, didn't you? I did. After I after we left Seattle, I came down here because they had year-round racing mm. with Arizona down in the summertime. And uh, But that kind of fell through shortly after I got down here. So anyway, that happened. Yeah, yeah. Turf Paradise, not great news out of there for their future. But uh, we'll hopefully, uh, it doesn't sound good right now. I think that's probably what you've heard, haven't you, Gary? Pretty much. Everybody's just waiting to, to see what develops. Um, we keep hearing there's some, there's some options still hanging out there. But uh, until something actually happens, everything's on hold. Gary Bay's joining us. He's coming back for Turn Back the Clock Day. And as you can tell, there's a whole lot of videos to choose from to match up with uh, Gary winning a stakes race, the record 100 at Long Acres. And, and your final season was cut short there, too. You broke your leg early in the year, Gary. Yeah, so I had an unfortunate accident. And, uh, but, uh, you know, those things happen. Uh, you go out there enough, thing, you're going to get hurt sometime or another, but... You made but, a comeback. Uh, go ahead. Oh yeah, you uh, you made a comeback after working for the Jockeys Guild for several years, and uh, you had a really good run here at Emerald Downs. Uh, you were a leading stakes jockey one year, and right up there in so many years. So it, it's kind of hard to give it up at the end, isn't it? It is very hard. I mean, it's, there's nothing that can describe winning a race, Joe. I mean, you just keep remembering that feeling. You forget the injuries. Yeah. But you remember the wins. Yeah. I got one more for you, Gary. Well, you proved down in Southern California you could ride with the big boys when they had all those great Hall of Fame riders there. And one horse you rode, and he came up for the mile. That was probably one of the easiest mile wins I've ever seen. And the horse ended up running third in the Breeders' Cup Classic. What do you remember about Judge Angelucci? Judge Angelucci, I was forward, just fortunate to get the mount on him. Bill Shoemaker was going in for an operation on his knee, and I picked the mount up. And then uh, we hooked up a couple times because he was riding Ferdinand at that time, who went on to win the Breeders' Cup that year. And uh, he beat Ferdinand in the Hollywood Gold Cup. And then uh, wow. there's a couple other stakes that he, was, that he won before we came to Longacres that year. And you're right. I mean, that was probably the easiest Longacres mile win that I ever had. 
I think it's the easiest one I've ever seen too. It was just yeah. like a workout. I stood of. down on the rail and I was awed by the horse's talent going by me. I mean, he was he you could see how much horse you had there, Gary, in the in the stretch. Yes, he was he may have been the best actual horse year round that I ever did ride. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise us uh, after seeing him the one time up here. And, uh, uh, Bill, were you there for that uh, 87 Breeders' Cup? Nope, nope. Okay. I, it's, I think that's my, my one of my all-time favorite race calls, though. Okay. Uh, was that the was Ferdinand and Ali Sheba? Yeah, and two Judge, Derby wires. And, and, and yeah. Jangelucci. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's my all-time favorite uh, race call. I, I will say, after the race, though, they're interviewing Charlie Whittingham because Ferdinand – won it and uh he kept saying boy look at judge angelucci there in third he's really hanging in there isn't he and he seemed like he was more interested in that than ferdinand so <laughs> yeah yeah uh, and, it, Fer- and, it, Fer- and and joe just uh, ferdinand reminds me of captain conda because ferdinand he, once he made the front end mm-hmm. he thought his 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 job yeah. was finished so they always had to, to time, time it, it perfectly not make the front end until it was right before the finish line but, uh, yeah, I, I thought that was a parallel to Captain Kondo, as, as uh, Gary mentioned. Yeah, yeah never... very, very much so. All those races leading up to the, the races, uh, Charlie would have me work Judge Lucci with Ferdinand. Hmm. And they always finished up head and head because Ferdinand didn't want to go on past me very, very far. Yeah, yeah, he never won. Uh, that's true. He never won by very much, Ferdinand. Gary Bays, uh, yeah, we're talking little California national history, and Gary Bays certainly has it in Washington. Uh, you were a teenager there in 1973 and led the meet. Uh, you were, I think, you were always pretty mature mentally. You probably, you've never, you've always been a humble guy. You're not going to say that yourself, but uh, you were kind of, <laughs> you were kind of ready for that meeting to begin, weren't you? 73. You know what? It just everything worked out that season. Mm. I came in to, to Lawnikers for my first year after being the leading apprentice at Yakima Meadows in the spring, and uh, I got an agent that had had the leading rider the year before and another rider that was a top ten rider, Larry Pierce and Bryson Cooper. Well, they both got hurt coming up from Golden Gate. One broke his wrist and one broke his ankle. So my agent had me all to myself, and so he got me off on a roll and several trainers that, uh, you know, that, that helped me out. And I, I, I was lucky right from the start. Yeah. And you were, uh, that year you were, was Joe, I think that might've been Joe's last year riding your uncle. Uh, I know it was, okay. he, he retired mid year. He said he kept, he was scared cause I kept <laughs> hollering at him. Uncle Joe, I'm in trouble. <laughs> but, but you know, Joe, you can, you mentioned right there, Gary's humble. You can see how humble he is right there yeah. that he got lucky. Well, the people saw right away what, what uh, an amazing talent. Yeah. the guy was and of course they wanted him on the horse and yeah. uh and the rest is history and that just grew and grew to the accomplishments we've been talking about uh what a great career i mean uh, and it's going to be excellent to have you and vicky bays your wife uh riding as vicky aragon in the 80s uh boy to win a meet at Long Acres with all those riders she won the meet in 86 and 88 and she pretty much dominated uh, she is a fiery competitor for a, a what an eighty-five pound gal, Gary. That's pretty close. Yes, <laughs> she, yes, she was. She was tough to get by. Horses would run like crazy for her. She did, boy. When she was on a roll, she'd be up on their neck, patting them and kissing them and loving them coming out of the paddock. But uh, in during the race, uh, she just uh, she 
gave no quarter. She was tough out there, and uh, she really earned her way to a great Hall of Fame Washington career as well. It'll be great to see Vicky up here. She didn't win the mile, but uh, a lot of great jockeys haven't won the mile. And Gary's number one in that category as well. Uh, your cousin Russell Bays top you in one mile category. He had one more mount than you did in the mile, 20 to 19, but you got him by two wins, which is the big stat there. <laughs> that might have been the only thing I beat Russell at. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I, I've told this story a lot, but I've, I've seen you and Russell get together maybe three times up here. Uh, on a mild day or something. And Russell, you know, he treated you like uh, an elder, a guy to look up to, a guy to respect. I mean, he he didn't cut up as much around you because you were kind of the man. And even though he was winning all these titles with 400 wins, these national titles, uh, uh, yeah, you got to be proud of your cousin, Russell. But uh, he did look up to you. I, I saw that and respected that from him. Yeah, no, I, I am very proud of Russell. I, I've never seen somebody as tough as him in the last as, as long and consistent as he did. No, that that's well said. Uh, that that that's it in a nutshell. Russell Bays, the North America's all-time leading jockey by about uh, what is it, three thousand wins or something like that. Some mind-boggling total. He only only won the Golden Gate title, I think, fifty-six straight times. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> Golden Gate and Bay Meadows, yeah. yeah. Well, Gary, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, we're going to do some stuff in front of the crowd and uh, recap a few things from the 70s. And uh, so happy that you're able to come up and looking forward to seeing you on Sunday. We're looking forward to being there, Joe. Great. Thanks, Gary. All righty. Gary Bays joining us on Horse Racing Northwest. And uh, you talk about Northwest legends. Uh the Bays family, for one thing, you know. You know, we mentioned the '70s, and and Gary's younger brother Mike, mm -hmm. uh, who's no longer with us, unfortunately, was a, also a riding champion in the '70s. He in was. 1978, won 100 races, and he was a hell of a rider too. Boy, I remember seeing he could, he could really yeah. ride a racehorse. You, you know, know how many people have said over the years that of all the Bayses, including yeah. Joe, Uncle, and uh, uh, Russell's father, and Russell. And all those guys, they so many of them said Mike Bays had the most talent by far. And he just he had some demons. And he was also big. He was a little taller. And uh, Mike Mike's son, Michael C. Bays, was also a Southern California riding champion. Yeah. So that that Bays talent with jockeys um, is amazing. Tyler yeah. is uh, Gary's uh, nephew. Yeah. His and, brother Earl is the father of Tyler, and so forth. Carl. Yeah. Gary's dad was a And you mentioned trainer. Joe, of course, is in the Washington Hall of Fame as a writer. Yeah. So Yeah, that Russell was really proud of his father that night as he came up for the mile. Okay. Told some great stories about him, yeah. Yeah, they can never end on the on the Bays family in Washington. All right, we're gonna take uh, a time out in a moment, but uh uh, we did want to remember a a colleague of ours that passed away earlier this week. Uh and many of you will know the name because he did handicap for the Seattle PI for several years. Uh, Al Smallman left us earlier this week. He did. I was uh, really shaken up. I got an email from his son, Andy, and um, he apparently he had a, a massive stroke uh, Sunday evening. They were able to revive him briefly, uh, but he did pass. Um, 
And uh, you talk about your gentleman of the turf. Al yeah. was that, very much so. And uh, always a nice guy, a great family man. Absolutely loved handicapping. Yeah. And uh, wrote many articles on it for publications like American Turf Monthly. And uh, darn good handicapper. In fact, you mentioned no giveaway earlier. He picked that horse on top in the Seattle PI that, at 60 to 1 in the Long Acres Mile, which is quite an accomplishment. That is fantastic. Yeah. And... Uh, Al will be missed uh, greatly, and yeah. uh, he was a fixture in the press box here at Emerald Downs and also at Long Acres, and uh, can't and say enough out, nice things about yeah, him. He came out quite a bit after he retired. His he son, Andy, who he got into racing, and yeah. as a fan, Andy ran the school in Seattle, and Al was always pre- Al actually helped teach a handicapping class there. He did, and Andy taught Puget Sound well. School. Yeah, that's right, where Andy was a teacher, and... Um, you know, we've lost too many good people recently, and Al's another one. Yeah. Had a great long life, though, and best wishes out to uh, his wife, Karib, and uh, the kids and the grandkids. And uh, we hope to have some kind of remembrance for him here at the track before the before the season's up. Yeah, we will do that. Okay, Al Smallman passing away earlier this week. Uh, let's take that time out, and we'll come back with our final segment and Dean Mazuka here on Horse Racing Northwest. It doesn't matter if you love craps, blackjack, machines, or dining on the finest Asian, American, and Salish cuisines. It doesn't matter what you do or where you're coming from. What you do is all at Muckleshoot. An easy drive from wherever you are. All roads lead to Muckleshoot. Muckleshoot. Here they go! Holy smokes, Milo Benz! Milo Benz gets away early and scores! Second in there was Pepper, but Milo Benz looked like a Mercedes Benz. That was an event on Corgi Day. July 23rd here at Emerald Downs, another beautiful day at the track. And, of course, the Corgis bring in their uh, owners, their relatives, their neighborhood friends, and a lot of other people. Dean Mazuka called the action for the first time. He's no stranger to events out on the dirt tracks of the Northwest. But calling the Corgis might have been a little different. Dean, welcome to uh, Horse Racing Northwest. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me, Joe. I appreciate that. How about it? Uh, did you get a little bit nervous knowing this was going to eventually end up on uh, ESPN? Well, I'll be honest. W- I'll be honest with you. Um, everybody made me nervous by telling me this was going to be on ESPN. If they would have just not told me twenty-five times, I probably wouldn't have been nervous at all. But yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Yeah, but. Uh, Dino's been calling races in, in Oregon, mostly Prineville. You did it again this year, and you've called yeah. a lot of races at Emerald Downs. And uh, and so your experience there, but I'm going to say this, truthfully, you did a super job on the court. Oh, I appreciate day. that, Joe. Yeah, your uh, calls Thanks. and your side comments were outstanding. And we told people earlier, we told uh, listeners that, we're going to have the show this Friday at 9 p.m. on ESPN2. Dean, of course, a part of it, uh, yep. the, the half-hour Corgi show. And, uh, you know, I thought it was a lot of fun. Did it, it end up being fun fun for you? 
Yeah, it was uh, great. I really, to be honest with you, I didn't know what to expect uh, because I've never done that before. And, of course, Tom did a great job at that before me. And I just, I, it was all, Joe, just what came out was all real. And uh, sometimes it's the best way to do that, just see what it comes out of my voice. And uh, it's exciting because, I'll tell you, watching those dogs run, it, it excites you because you can almost see in their eyes that it's important. It was, it was a ball. I had a blast. Oh, and the fans love it. Uh, it's a great addition to our uh, weekly schedule. Uh, the first time we did it, we had just an enormous crowd, and it continues to be a big day. So that went great. Dean's first year calling the Corgis. Uh, but, you know, again, this is a year of you calling races at the fairs in Oregon. How'd that go this summer? Oh, boy, I just got back from Prineville, uh, as you know, a couple weeks ago, and uh, it went excellent there. They did their best handle, and uh, um, this is uh, year 18 wow. uh, for me going to Prineville, and we had the COVID year off. And of course, I've done Tillamook, Burns, Oregon, and I'm also doing the fall meet uh, this year at Grants Pass Downs. And that is great that that can fit in for you with your job at uh, the Boeing Airplane Company. Dean uh, yep. grew up and went to Renton High School and, uh, you know, spent some time at Long Acres. And, yep. you know, great part of the industry, Dino. You've got horse ownership for so many years. Um, yep. And we're going to get to a couple other things you're doing recently here. But, uh um, horse ownership for you uh, started quite a while ago, didn't it? Yeah, we had we had our first horse, uh, I believe, in 1996 with Mike Buich. Yeah, 1996, the year Emerald Downs opened, and yep. uh, a little stakes action this weekend with Mocktails. Anyone? Yeah, you know, I was looking at the weights, Joe, and I noticed that I think we're the only horse in the race, maybe that hasn't won. Mm-hmm. Is that why we carry 118? Yeah, that uh, yeah. There's several winners in that race, which you know we see uh, a two-year-old stakes races with maidens and even first-time starters at times. But uh, you're going in against a bunch of winners. But I know you've uh, you and Frank Lucarelli have been high on this horse all along. Yeah, boy, she's a she's a nice horse. She's run a cup against Jack's horse, obviously, and uh, uh, the, the horse by the factor, and mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, she's shown us a lot in the morning. We didn't realize, or Howie didn't realize when he broke her. Our line was when we watched her her first three-eighths of a mile was we didn't realize she was that fast. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of, this is the nicest horse, Joe, I've ever had. I Ooh. We ran second in the stakes race, and and uh, that's that's the best I've ever done. And, and I'll tell you, I was, I was tickled pink. No, you've got a real promising horse there. Mocktails anyone in the WTBOA Lassies on Sunday. And and JC's a legend is going well. Also, is he going to be on the track soon? He, we've tried to enter him a couple of different times. Uh, um, we know that the uh, is it the three-year-olds for the Derby. We, we really don't want to run him in there. Uh, I'd rather get a never-win-two win for him. Um, we're trying to get a route of ground or six and a half, and he's he's been a real competitor all year long, too. Yep, he's run some big races, and Dean has uh, brought a lot of people into the game, and, and you're still entertaining them in other ways. Uh, 
Breakfast at the Wire, the third and final edition, is this Sunday, 8 to 10 a.m. There's free coffee, and there's also free breakfast. And, Dean, I I thought the first two shows were just like old times, man. Uh, Really enjoy the information and the whole atmosphere. I agree. And you you and Bill were uh, up this last Sunday, and it was really neat to see Bill there and and yourself. And you had just that flavor of knowledge that, uh, frankly, nobody else has uh, like you do around Northwest Racing for years. And, uh, you know, you're you're very valued at that, and I appreciate what you bring to that. I know Vicky does, too. Yeah, I enjoy being there. Uh, and, you know, you guys round up the guests and just uh, so many different jobs at the racetrack. And you've been around long enough to know so many people and, and Vicky as well and get them there. It's Breakfast at the Wire. It's free to attend. It's 8 to 10 a.m. this coming Sunday, August 6th. And we have a little turn back the clock action going on this weekend with a, a look back to Long Acres of the 1970s. So that'll be fun on race day. But uh, we're going to get you even involved further this year, Dino, with the Railbird Rally. And I know you've been at that before, but... Uh, That'll be a lot of Long Acres Mile Talk coming up on Sunday, August 13th. Yes, exactly. And I'll need a real good cheat sheet uh, <laughs> for uh, I don't have the mind that you do for that. But I'm I'm looking forward to trying to grow that back to where it should be. I know we have a lot of fans, and uh, I think it's going to be a great time. Hopefully we can promote that up a bunch and uh, and have a nice uh, a nice day at breakfast at the wire, 1130, I believe, on mile yep. day is yep. when we're going to kick that off. And, uh, you know, I love your idea of the throwback, the clock. Uh, there's something about uh, when you guys put on the big screens those call, race calls from Long Acres, it, it, uh, uh, it brings back just so many memories. And uh, it's just wonderful. No, yeah, you know, there's so many people now. A couple of our stewards, uh, actually, uh, all four of our stewards were riders at one point, and Kenny Dahl yep. had a good career at Long Acres of the four. Um, and trainers just don't retire. Uh, we've had several trainers pass away the last five years that were in their 90s, yep. uh, quite a few, and they never really retired. And, you know, so, so many people are still around from the Long Acres era. Um, So that's going to be fun looking back at that. We're going to have $3 admission, which would have been the price of admission and a program in Long Acres era. And as you said, some races on the big screen, some pictures, some interviews from people that were there uh, and maybe a little 70s dress and music as well. So it'll be a fun day on Sunday. Oh, God, I'm looking forward to it. I'm trying to figure out... (laughs) What to wear? I have an old Long Acres shirt. I've got a bunch of old Long Acres hats, and uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it's going to be. And then we have a horse running, so yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's a uh, uh, looking forward to it. I I like the idea of bringing back the uh, the seventies. I think that's a great idea. The seventies uh, was a unique decade. A lot of great music. You'll be hearing that. Um, so we'll do that on Sunday and. The following Sunday is Mile Day with the Railbird Rally at 11.30. And by the way, you can get in free up till noon on Sunday, August 13th, Mile Day. Railbird Rally starts at 11.30 in the park. Breakfast at the Wire this Sunday at 8 a.m. on track level. Again, that's free to attend with free coffee and a free breakfast as well. 
Dean's going to be hosting both of those, and he's going to be thinking about his horses a little bit too. Of course he is. He's got one in a stakes race. So uh, thanks for all your attention and extra duties here this summer, Dean. I really appreciate it. So, Joe, I have a question. I have a question for you. Okay. Your favorite '70s group. What is your favorite '70s group? I yeah, I like the Rolling Stones a lot, and they were they were huge in the '60s. But boy, they did a lot of great work in the '70s. I mean, they're they're probably my favorite rock and roll band of all time. But okay, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with I'm more of a soft rock guy. Okay. I like like Crosby, Stills, Nash, and I like the the group America. America had some really fine songs in the 70s. Oh, oh, there's nothing like the 70s music as far as I'm concerned. That's all that's on my phone when I work out in the gym is 70s music. I just love it. Well, we'll put an America song in there for you as well. For, for this. I appreciate we'll, that. We'll Ventura that. Highway. There you go. Okay. that We'll do that one. Ventura Highway. Yeah, and, you know, just... Uh, Disco came in the later 70s, and there was a lot of good uh, classic rock for, for the, through the whole decade. The Jackson 5 and uh, oh, Fleet, yeah. Fleetwood Mac. I mean, it goes on and on. But uh, it, 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 never, it, it never gets old to me. Yeah. It never gets old. All right. Well, uh, see you at the races, and thanks so much, uh, Dino. Uh, check out that Corgi show, half-hour Corgi show, again, on Friday night on ESPN2 at 9 p.m., half-hour special all about July 23rd and Emerald Downs Corgi Day and much more for Dino coming up. Dino, thank you. Joe, thank you very much for your time, and thank you for all you do. Okay, I appreciate that as well. Dino Mazuka joining us on Horse Racing Northwest. Time for Sports Shorts on Horse Racing Northwest. And uh, I'll go first, Phil. I'm going to talk Long Acres Mile. So for so many years, 1933 to 2001, there was only one horse that won the mile that didn't have a win in the calendar year. And Vince probably, if you looked at a list, you'd remember real easily, Vince. Jim. Jim won in 1975. Yeah. In that three-horse finish. I remember watching that on Channel 7. Yeah, with day. Times Rush and Woe Boy. And he won it, and he didn't have a win that year coming into the race. But you know what? Since 2002, four horses have won the mile without a win in the calendar year. And that would be Sabretooth in 2002 for Jim Penny. Then in 2016, Point Piper came up and ran the fastest one mile in state history. He hadn't had a win that year for Jerry Hollendorfer and beat O.B. Harbor, who was the favorite and had a great season. And then Gold Rush Dancer had only run twice in 2017, after being California three-year-old of the year the season before, Gold Rush Dancer came in off a third in the Bertrando at Los Alamitos and won the mile convincingly. And then in 2020, another twist of fate hadn't even run as he came into the mile in the COVID year of 2020, but he was uh, one fine horse and he won the mile real easily that he, year. He had been off since the, the Preakness, Preakness the year before. That's right. So four times... Since 2001, has a horse won the mile without a win in the calendar year? I don't know if that's going to apply this year or not, but uh, it's possible. Okay, 
Uh, Bill. My Seattle Mariners are 56 <laughs> and 52. They won their fourth straight series in a row against playoff contenders. How many sweeps in there? Not many sweeps, but when you're playing really good competition, winning series is yeah. what you want to do. So they won last uh, yesterday. I was in attendance, one of the 37,942 mm. to witness a come from behind win. Down 3 nothing, come back to win 6-3 to three against the Boston Red Sox and sent all those Boston fans back to the East Coast crying in their beer. Lots it, of Red Sox hats. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. They're there. That was, was like, it's almost like the Blue Jays when they come into, yeah. come into town. But uh, the recap, the, the fourth straight uh, series win in a row. The Blue Jays, they beat 2-3. Uh, then they uh, beat the, the Twins, uh, then the Diamondbacks, and now... Uh, the or the Boston Red Sox, uh, so it continues to look good. They they face Otani tonight. Uh, by the time you hear this, you might have uh, they might have already played, but uh, they got four against the Angels down in in Anaheim, then two against uh, the Padres uh, next week at home on Tuesday and Wednesday. I'm sure I'll attend one of those, and then they got the Orioles also at home next weekend as well, Long Acres Mile weekend. But then after that, 16 of the next 19 games are against some of the worst teams in all of baseball. And this is where Vince, yes, they need to sweep at least one of those series, I think, because just winning two or three or or whatnot, I don't know if it's going to do it because in September they play some real teams. So, but they, you know, they got Kansas City a couple of series against the Royals. They've got the White Sox, they got the Elkland Athletics. And the Mets, who are just giving up on the season, so they've got this is go time for for uh, my Seattle Mariners. Uh, but uh, fifty six and fifty two, looking uh, good, um, and we'll see what happens uh, this weekend against the Angels. They made a big trade as well, or they trade away their closer Paul Seawald. They got a couple of uh, really nice uh, prospects. This Dominic Canzone, a twenty five year old, who made his major league debut earlier this season. He uh, contributed against uh, the Red Sox. And then there's a young um, um, shortstop second baseman, 23-year-old by the name of Ryan Bliss, who's really turned the quarter corner offensively. And uh, he's uh, now playing at Tacoma. And I think he's going to be on this team next year as well. So I thought it was a pretty good trade. Uh, okay. That, do you think for, it's a good trade? Yeah. Okay. I think it's a very good trade because the Mariners do have a, a surplus of uh, relievers. And they're just going to move everyone up a notch, and we'll yep. see how they how they do. But uh, they sell high on relievers, which is what they did. Yeah, you know, and he was, uh, uh, you know, he's in, what 33, 34 years old too. And even though he, he had some major contributions to the team, I thought that it's worth a worth a shot. And they and obviously management did as well, uh, shipping him to the Diamondbacks. Okay. Well, you know, they've played 108 games. That's exactly two-thirds of the way through the year. Hmm. So what's 56 and 28? They're on a 80. They're going to finish 84 and 78. Oh, come on. They'll do better. That's, than that. that's, that's right the under their uh, like I number, said, isn't it? Yeah. If, if they're, you know, by Labor Day, if they're not right in the thick of it, like within a game or even in that third spot, because that September they they face a you know they end they end a season playing the Rangers twice and the Astros, so it's not going to be easy easy peasy if you will in September. So this is this is go time for them, uh, the rest of this month and uh, and up until Labor Day. Well, I hope you're right. We'll see. 
I know you're you're you're, I'm you're jaded and, and well. I, th- I think you mentioned the Otani beating them tonight would set the tone in a oh, four game series, yes. a big four game series. Absolutely. So let's see. What's what his do. record? It's not. It's that only much like over... nine and four. Okay. Or whatever. Well, and, and speaking of sports shorts, everyone made a big deal last week when uh, Otani threw a one hitter in the first game of a doubleheader against the Tigers, one hit shutout, and then homered twice in the second game. Great accomplishment. But June 23rd, 1971, Rick Wise in one game threw a no-hitter and hit two home runs in a 4 nothing win for the Phillies and, uh, over the Reds. So that was even a greater one day. Not many people remember Rick Wise, but um, that was uh, uh, maybe even better than Otani's great day last week. Yeah, I remember a, a baseball card of Rick Wise. They play for the Indians. He might have. Yeah. He was mainly with the Cardinals and the Phillies. He had a good career. I think he won about 160 games. Big, tall right-hander. Um, he was he was effective. Okay. Um, no such thing as a sure thing in racing. I've got one. You can take it to the a bank. Sure thing. And yeah, it's kind of a trick question. Last last Saturday, March on Lynch, a five-year-old gelding here, finished fifth or seventh in race five. He is now 0 for 22 on fast tracks, three for three on wet tracks. <laughs> wow. So three for 25 lifetime. If it's wet, bet them, take it to the bank. If it's not, just toss them. And I know it's a little simplistic, but that's kind of a quirky record. A couple other stake shorts here. Um, The last six lad stakes, you know, if you're going to try to beat the fairies, a little hope for you here, Joe. The winning payoffs, it's turbo, 2660. A view from above, 1020. Dutton, 1780. Muncie, 880. This great nation, 9880. Wow. Elliott Bay, 1680. Last two lassies, Aloha Breeze somehow paid 12 bucks last year, and Koran paid 30 bucks. So we've seen a couple surprises in these two-year-old stakes, and I think a lot of it is they're going six and a half furlongs, which is farther than any of them have run. So we'll see if that happens. The inaugural Lassie Stakes, 1982, the winner was Flag Daloon, who was one of the all-time great Phillies or mares in Washington, ended up being a grade one winner on turf in California, the Ramona in 84 with Frank Oliveira's up. The inaugural Lads winner, Dave's Reality, was a pretty good horse, started off five for five, owned by... Dave Herensberger. Yeah, he was just getting out of the hydros into horse yeah. racing then. Yeah, that horse dominated the two-year-olds uh, at Long Acres that year, as you mentioned, five for five. Okay, uh, my best baseball pitcher hitting thing, of course, which Tony Cloninger hit two grand, two grand slams, slams in one game. Yeah, that came up too last week when people were uh, on a website were talking about greatest games. And yes, a couple mentions there for Cloninger. Boy. Okay, uh, so some selections for this weekend. Uh, Friday night at Emerald Downs. Guys, I'm going to go to... Is Miss Ms. Lynn's on, on Friday, isn't she, tomorrow? Yeah. Yeah. She's going route to sprint. She was really pretty dull there on July 21st. Okay, that's going to be two weeks ago. But her last two sprints, she ran well. And we've got uh, we've got some speed in this race with, well, Big Fashion likes to get into the race. Big Mama Thornton's really sharp for Bob Bean. Square footage gets really close to the pace. Pearl River Delta. Slice of pie is going to be really hard to beat if she runs anywhere near her last race. But I'm going to give Ms. Lynn the nod. And you got to have her around 10 to 1 or so, don't you? I think I have her right at 10. Right at 10? Okay. Ms. Lynn is going to fire against a lot of speed going route to sprint for trainer Steve Bullock. 
So, Bill, what do you have for Friday or Saturday? Friday night, second race. Claimers, now winners of two. Six furlongs the distance. I like the two. Moonlight in wine okay. for trainer Vince Gibson. Last time out at a mile, kind of got a, you know, got caught in a lot of traffic um, in that race on the turn. Um and, you know, finished a, a decent third. The winner of that race, Lago de Oro, kind of freaked for Luciano Medina Gabriel in that race. And uh, Moonlight and Wine, uh, by the time uh, he finally got some clear running room, the top two have kicked well clear. And I just think that uh, Moonlight and Wine, cutting back in distance, his last sprint race, he, uh, he had a check. Um, just reading my t- notes again. Yeah, slight bump at the start, but he had to check at a key point on the turn in that race and still rallied nicely for third. And it's a race that, you know, for the level, it seems rather rather uh, average, if you will. Withy is uh, in the race, making a drop down and claiming price as well as uh, Contagious is six. And, you know, validates uh, rising up in class, but he likes to come from the clouds, clouds, uh, which uh, Moonlight and Wine likes to come from off the pace as well. But Moonlight and Wine, uh, I've had a couple of uh, trouble notes in his last couple of races, so we're going to go with him. Uh, The number two, Moonlight and Wine, and five to two in Vince's morning line in the second race on Friday night. Okay. And uh, Bill was a guest at uh, Breakfast at Thwire last uh, Sunday, and Bill, you gave him a great one, a seven-to-one winner. I forget her name right now. But, oh, uh, she had a secret? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. She, she'd she had two troubled trips in a row. Yeah. And won pretty easily at seven-to-one. That was a good one for all the fans. I heard somebody in the quarter shoot talking about that yesterday. Oh, good. Yeah. Uh, Saturday, uh, and Vince isn't making selections because he does the morning line, Uh I think Moki's going to be tough on Saturday. He drew post number eight in a maiden special weight race. It's the third on the card. Saturday, uh, eight runners in there, two-year-old maiden special weight. Moki, um, he's he's run against Whiskey Harbor twice. He's got blinkers on. He's got st- stalking speed. Javier Matias is back, by the way. Javier had a little bit of a – he banged his foot in the starting gate, so he missed a few mounts last weekend, but he's back. And there's certainly some other possibilities in there. There's some firsters, a dynamic secret firster out of a Harbor of the Gold Mare. And, uh, you know, Nightline looked really good in his career debut. There's another Harbor of the Gold firster. But I'm going to go Moki, who, uh, not sure the morning line there, Vince. I don't know if you remember. Five, okay, this is that low. So that's not a a huge outlier there. But uh, how about you, Bill? Well, then eighth race on Saturday. Uh, it's a you know conditioning claiming race, twenty five hundred uh, nine winners to four, winner of a race since February, and I I just uh, think there's a lot of speed in the race and a horse that uh, got a, a really it was a strange trip. It was the the two horse Bob Sniper for Hilario Perez. He broke on top, but he also got bumped at the start and then dropped all the way back to second last. And actually made up a, a bit of ground in the last furlong. It was a race that uh, they went one-two around the racetrack. Asian Rain and Warfront Fighter in that race on July 22nd. He was coming off a little bit of a layoff as well. And I, I just think that Bob Sniper, uh, second race off the layoff, could improve off of that effort. And there's going to be just a just a myriad of horses that want to be on the front end. Code Charlie, Zacchaeus, does a lot. Famous rock star. 
So I thought he uh, yeah. was interesting at five to one. And also Prince of Luck, who might even be a bigger uh, price, gets first time Negron. Um, you know, the winner of his last race, what was I thinking? Got a lofty buyer speed figure for a condition $2,500 claimer. And this looks like a little bit of an easier spot. I don't know how he's going to, what type of trip he's going to get, but he'll, you'll get a big price on him. Uh, so both of those horses I thought uh, were interesting in the eighth race on Saturday. Yeah, if I've, uh, I've had an inkling on Prince of Luck, his last couple, but uh, yeah, if he gets a good trip, he is a live long shot in there. Okay, there's some selections. I don't know if you want to go to Sunday or not. I'm not ready for Sunday myself yet. but uh, uh, I've looked at it, but uh, those are the okay. ones I liked uh, so right. far. So Very good. All right, so there's some selections. Uh, trivia, last week we had the question was, Awesome Gem holds the top two spots as the richest Long Acres Mile starter. Both in 2011 and 2012, he was the richest starter in in race history, 2.8 million in 2012. And uh, who's the next horse behind him on the list? Well, I didn't get a correct answer. I got a couple submissions, but it's simply majestic. Way back to 1989, what a long career he had all around the country. He won two miles in a row. He, he entered the 1989 mile with a $1.3 million bankroll. And of course he won that race as well. Uh, with Ron Hansen aboard, Russell Bays won on him the year before. Okay, new question. Send your answers to trivia at emeralddowns.com. In the Emerald Downs era, 1996 to the present, how many horses have attempted a repeat victory in the Long Acres Mile? Slew's Tiz Wiz is going to do it this year. How many others have attempted a repeat victory? So you got to do some research there. You got to spend, you know, 20 minutes or a half hour on that, but uh, give it a shot. And we'll get you something to do with the Long Acres Mile, a hat or a shirt. Trivia at emeralddowns.com. Okay, fellas, another big weekend in front of us. A couple of stakes on Sunday. And thanks to our guests, Gary Bays and Dean Mazuka. This is Horse Racing Northwest.